Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Say hello again to Jim Barrier. Well, hi, Bob. I trust you're having a good day and uh, things are going well with you. Very much so. I, Thank you, Jim. Yeah. I don't know how to lead into this here. There's a lot. Oh, so of that's what all that things. stuff about me having a good day was? You searching for a way to lead into the topic? It's not real. It's not really about what kind of a day I'm having. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you about the day I'm having. Okay. That might be a good segue. A little while ago, I took Leslie to the airport. We had an emergency, and there's a... Oh, uh, no. What's uh, going on? Well, there's a, there's a lady that's very, very close to us. She was kind of a second mom to Leslie, really, growing up. And uh, I've known this woman since I married Leslie 42 years ago. And our name's Penny. And uh, she has been fighting physically. She's been in the hospital for about two months, and she took a turn for the worse. So, and what has she been uh, battling in the hospital? Well, pulmonary issues, OPD, heart issues. She's had pneumonia. She's had a whole bunch of different things. And the problem is, one of the problems, the doctors are giving her all different kinds of meds and they kind of conflict with each other and not sure which ones are working, which ones aren't. So it's just a tough thing. And she's in her 80s, so it's just harder for her to fight. So we're taking that kind of heavy. Now that's, you know, everybody has these kind of things. We all have loved ones that go through crisis and we have people that we lose in life and they're just difficult times. And maybe on the lighter side, when I call Brendan you know, he said, how is it that every time the Padres are on primetime, they're, they're playing right now against the hated Dodgers on ESPN nationwide, and they're getting beat pretty bad. So he said, why is that? <laughs> I said, well, that's part of being a San Diego sports fan. So that's not really a serious thing. But, you know, I, some folks, my brother-in-law and my sister, they take it pretty hard. So we all have, it runs the gamut difficult things we go through. And I would appreciate if there's praying people out in the audience here, just pray for a lady named Penny. That's a good friend of mine. And, Absolutely. Uh, really, and then my prayer really is that she would hold on long enough until Leslie gets out there so Leslie can see her because she'll get in late tonight. She won't be able to go to the Oh, you think it's so tomorrow. bad she may not even be able to hang on in time? Yeah, yeah. This oh, is wow. Concern. It's just one of those things. And in the last 10 years, I'll say, I've really lost a lot of good friends and it, because I'm old. It is true. The older we get, the more people we know, and the more people we know, a large percentage of them are going to pass away. Yeah, and it happens. So that's a tough thing. But yeah, Leslie really needed to go out there, hopefully to say hello before she says goodbye. So pray for Leslie that she'll just have grace and peace and that she'll have the right words to say, if any. And uh, we've known Penny for a long time, and I've discussed faith with her. She's, she's a, a wonderful, brilliant woman. She taught for 40 years, I was teaching elementary school. And, and on top of that, she taught special ed kids and kids with difficulties. And then on top of that, she lives about two and a half miles from Mount Vernon in Alexandria, Virginia area. And the school she's in is in a very, very high-rent district. And years ago, they started busing kids in. And so that just made it even more complicated. And she just is such a good teacher. She has now, she's had students third generation, kids that she taught their parents and taught their grandparents. And she's just a marvelous, marvelous person. 
So I, I admire her greatly. But we've talked faith and we talk politics and we talk philosophy and we, you know, we've talked about just about everything. She is a believer, but she's in that area out there and probably more of a liberal persuasion than you and I are. <laughs> but the thing is, we could talk and have differences of opinion and respect each other. Whatever happened to that, you know? Yeah, well, that's the um, whole point. It's not about differences of opinion. It's about not demonizing a person just because they happen to disagree with you. Absolutely. So she, she's been terrific about that. So we're praying for Penny, praying for Leslie, and then pray for me because when Leslie leaves town, I pretty much live off of packaged junk food. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably quite enjoyable while it lasts. Well, you know, a man's got to do what he's got to do. <laughs> so that's what's going on with me. Now, I wanted to talk out of some things out of the book of Philippians, which, as you know, the situation for Paul, he was in jail. He was in prison. So not good circumstances. I think I have... In jail in Rome, but writing to the Church of Philippi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, even worse, a Roman prison. There wasn't a real great... Well, and and he was under house arrest, which sounds great, but you still had to be chained to a Roman guard the whole time, so... Yeah, and, and there's so many traditions and legends and things that the historians say. For instance, I've always heard that when Paul was in prison, they had to change the guards routinely because the guards kept getting converted. And, well, he uh, alludes to that at the end of the book of Philippians. He says, Caesar's household greets you. And he also mentions that being here in chains has served the gospel. Because talk about a captive audience. This Roman soldier had okay. to listen to him. <laughs> well, a captive audience and a captive speaker. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and I recently did a podcast talking about some of those things because way back in the book of Acts, the Lord had told Paul that he would be before Caesar. And then there's a, you know, people already say, well, he never appeared before Caesar. And how does that work? He says, greet Caesar's household. Obviously, he knew the people in Caesar's house. It's pretty easy to put two and two together. Well, he, he actually did. did. He appeared before a more benevolent and a younger Emperor Nero who commissioned him to go off on his third missionary journey. And then when he found himself in Rome again, this time it was the mean and nasty Nero. And under Nero, he was executed, but he actually was before him twice. Yeah. Paul's got to be one of the great Bible heroes for me because he just had no fear. He would preach the gospel to anybody, Jew, Gentile, Romans. He was every man. And he knew enough languages and enough customs that he could talk to people and uh, the Greeks, whoever. He would go anywhere if he believed it was where God wanted him to go. And there are a couple of times you read stories where it says the Holy Spirit stopped him from going to certain places. And so he was obedient, but he had reckless abandon in his pursuit of following the Lord and being obedient. And he's a great hero for that. You know, I've read in secular history books Paul is the one person that the spread of Christianity is attributed to. Certainly Jesus is the key figure, but Paul's the one that went on on the missionary journeys, and he went everywhere. He wrote half the New Testament, and so he was a great, great hero of faith, in, in my estimation. Here's this man. He's in a Roman prison, imprisoned by Rome, and how did he deal with his difficult circumstances? And that's what I wanted to look at this evening, and I've I, I just gleaned a few things here out of the book of Philippians that kind of give us a clue. It opens up. He writes this letter, and he says this, I thank my God in every remembrance of you. He starts right off with gratitude, being thankful. Now, you know, I don't know. I've done a lot of prison ministry, and I've dealt with people 
prison is not the easiest place to be thankful. <laughs> but he was. And what was he thankful for at the start? He says, I thank God every time I remember you. And uh, I do that. I think of you, Bob, and other good friends that I have. And, and every time I think about you, I'm grateful for how God has enriched your life and enriched my life by allowing me to know you and be friends with you. And, and Paul put a high priority on this. So this is ingredient number one, gratitude. And what are some things, who are some people you're thankful for in your life? Put you on the spot. Well, <laughs> right back at you, of course. You're my good friend. I am thankful for you. And obviously, yeah. I'm thankful for my wife and other friends. Yeah. And just very thankful that the different gifts and talents that God gave me, I've been able to use. My ministry is very eclectic. I do radio. Yeah. I write. I teach. Just a wide variety of things. On my way over here, I'm memorizing Hebrew while I'm driving in the car. Just a wide variety <laughs> of things I get to do. And I'm grateful that I have the time to do it, yeah. the schedule to do yeah. it. So my children, my grandchildren, I could go on and on, but those are the things that kick into my mind at first when you ask yeah, that. Yeah, and people certainly top the list for me. I have said for years and years that the only thing that we take out of this world are the relationships that God trusted us with. And as I've mentioned, as I'm losing people, I have eternity to look forward to, and I'm going to see many of those people that are so dear to me. So that's, you know, when you said your ministry is eclectic, I thought, well, there's the understatement of the night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's an awesome thing. You, yeah, you, you're pretty hard to categorize, really. I mean, you're a teacher and you're an apologist and we have all the things that, you know. Well, that, and, and it's interesting because with. these days people expect you to do one or the other. The days of the Renaissance yeah. man are over. I remember a number of years ago, I went out to a writer's conference where you're meeting agents and you're meeting publishers and they all ask you, well, what kinds of writing do you do? I go, well, I write fiction and nonfiction and then I write for adults and I write for kids. Nobody wanted to hear that, Jim. They wanted to hear one right. or the other. They didn't want to hear, when they hear you say you can do all these things, they're assuming you really can't do any of them. Well, they wouldn't say that about C.S. Lewis now, would they? No, uh, but then, they, yes, you get Grandfather Claus. If you become famous over time, you get Grandfather Claus. It's the people that we know. It's, it's <laughs> the old saying of Jesus, a prophet is not without honor except in his own household. So here we are. We're giving thanks. And Philippians has some of the most well-known verses that people love to quote. They don't always quote it in context, but they do know a lot of these verses. And it, again, it's just amazing to me that these great platitudes and things that you would find on a wall or embroidered into an afghan or something, they're, they're written by this guy who's in a Roman prison, and that's pretty amazing. Chapter 4, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So Paul adds that ingredient to our prayer life. And I try to do this in the years that I pastored. I always try to encourage my congregation, don't just show up with your Christmas list like God is Santa Claus. And before you ever ask for anything, it's just a good policy to give God thanks for something. And I even, I prescribe this in my marriage counseling. I even incorporate it into wedding ceremonies that I do. And I tell them to always be thankful. Every day, give thanks for something. And that's just, I think that's pretty good advice for anyone. Find something every day to give thanks for. And then you can move on to asking God your requests and the various things that need to take place, things that are on your heart. But season it with lots of thanksgiving. There's a line I have heard people quote all the time. It's one of those lines people just take this one little line and then they use it for their purposes. And here's the line. I can do all things 
through him who strengthens me. You ever heard that one? <laughs> uh, we sure have. And I've heard people use that. And they use it, you know, I'm, I'm going to go run a marathon. And I yeah, they use it. it out of context a lot. <laughs> yeah. Here's the context. This is uh, pretty deep. He says, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with a little, and I know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So you see, the context of this has nothing to do with... So it's not that prosperity gospel nonsense, God wants you wealthy, you're a child of the king, that kind of stuff. I mean, yes, we are a child of the king. That much is true, but not all the rest of it. Yeah, and I think one of the things, when I first got to know you, and we had a radio show here in San Antonio, and you would come on as a guest, and you coined the phrase, the worthless prosperity gospel. <laughs> Man, I just, yeah, oh, you and Gary that. and I found some stuff in common right off the bat, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we really, and I think that it kind of forged the relationship. But I've used that I've used that line ever since, the worthless prosperity gospel. <laughs> yeah, and Paul was not into that because, I, listen to this, he says, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Can you just I imagine mean, him <laughs> being alive in our generation and responding to that prosperity gospel? He would be tearing his oh. hair out. You know what? He would say, brethren, these things ought not be so. He'd say, bring me back to Rome and chain me back to the guard. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's the whole point. He's here. He's a prisoner, and he's fine. He says, I can do this because God will give me the strength to get through whatever it is I'm going through. And that's part of that gratitude thing, but that's almost a lost art in the Christian culture today in 21st century Western Christianity. We don't want to get along in the hard times. We want just good times. We want to feel good. And, you know, that just wasn't the gospel that Paul preached. It wasn't the gospel that Jesus preached. And frankly, it's not the gospel that I preach. You're going to have some trouble as a Christian. For one thing, you have developed an enemy. You've made your peace with God. That immediately made you an alliance in the kingdom of God. And so there is the kingdom of darkness that immediately wages war with And you. is that on Pennsylvania uh, Avenue or at the Capitol building, kingdom <laughs> of darkness? Well, you know, it says we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and dominions and spiritual wickedness. Still sounds places. like Pennsylvania Avenue to me, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think that there is a lot of spiritual... Well, you're making a more serious point. Yes, absolutely. There's yeah, a yeah. spiritual entity named Satan, yeah. and there are these yeah. demonic spirits. And yes, they have their influence over the world, but they could have influence directly to our own minds as well. So we need to be very cautious. Yeah. Well, and you see it, especially in the Old Testament, some of those leaders, there was demonic activity going on. And, and the truth is, you, were, you know, you're talking about the various kings and Herod. God dealt with him rather severely. Again, the wicked Herod. And there have been times in the Old and New Testament when we see that people were given over to demonic influence. And I don't think that that principle has left. They are being influenced by powers of darkness. So I, I do think there's a lot of that going on. Man, I look at some of those people... And I just think there's something seriously wrong there. So, yeah, that's part of the deal. But what do we do? We carry on like Paul, and we say, I'm going to thank God, and I'm going to serve him, and I'm going to use every opportunity I have to preach the gospel, whatever it costs me. 
and it cost him his freedom. It cost Paul a lot. If you look through his resume, boy, he talks about being shipwrecked and beaten and left for dead. Hey, he just kept going on. Well, you know, I'm called to preach the gospel. Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel, he said. So, yeah, tough times there for Paul, and yet he was grateful for everything. Now, the second ingredient, the second thing in that first line, I think got remembrance of you, and then he says, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you. And Paul talked a lot about joy in this letter. He said in one chapter, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now, how do you do that when you're in prison? How do you do it when people are beating you and leaving you for dead and persecuting you, and yet you find joy? And I think the problem is we've confused joy with happiness or feeling good or laughing, having a, you know, going to see a good comedy. Joy is something that's deep, deep, deep in the Yeah, spirit. it depends on the source. If our only source of yeah. joy is the things we can get out of this world, that's one thing. If our source is God, who's of a different world, then that can transcend the bad things going on. That doesn't mean they're not bad, and that doesn't mean Paul was no. happy and doing cartwheels over the bad times he was having. It's just that beyond that, he had this depth and this hope because of another world. Yeah, yeah different economy. He was in a different economy, and I have preached this a lot over the years, and I have encouraged my congregations that I pastored, make sure you buy into an eternal economy. If your hope and joy and everything is wrapped up in what you get out of this life, it's an empty purse. So Paul obviously tapped into something that he could have joy in all of these circumstances, and then say rejoice in everything. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Maybe that's the key thing there. It's similar to another place he said, in everything give thanks. Well, he didn't say for everything. You don't thank God for bad things, but you thank God in the middle of bad things. And it's the same way with joy. There are hard times. There are times that bring us grief. There are times that we weep. As I shared, I'm in a difficult time right now, almost mourning, and I've been crying off and on all day because of the situation with my good friend Penny. But that doesn't rob me of the joy that I have that's based in Christ. And there would be no joy if you thought this was the only life Penny was going to have, and that once she was gone, she was just completely gone. Again, as the Apostle said, most miserable of people we would be if there was no hope of resurrection. And so that's the source of joy for me, that God sent His Son to die for me, it's mind-boggling. We really can't really grasp it, how extreme that is. And that because of that, I can share in the resurrection because he was raised from the dead. And man, I can find joy in that. So find joy, folks. Find your joy in the Lord. And no matter what's going on around you, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. You know, I can't rejoice about my baseball team right now. (laughs) Uh, But I can rejoice that I am part of a winning team. I'm on the winning side. Somebody said, you know, I'm not So joy is not dependent on how the Padres do against the Dodgers, is <laughs> no. what you're saying. Oh my gosh, I'd be real miserable. <laughs> but, Good thing uh, our eternities don't hinge on that. <laughs> I heard a preacher say, you know, I'm not worried about it because I've read the book and I know how it ends. I know how the story ends. As bad as things can be, as bad as the world can be, as bad as history has been, and as wicked as there are activities going on in this world. And I've talked to people, and they don't want to use words like evil and wicked. They say, no, everything's good, everything's fine. People are basically good and okay. I'm thinking, man, you, you need to wake up. And so we live in perilous times. We live in difficult times. 
and the circumstances can be difficult, and yet we're exhorted by Paul to be thankful, to rejoice, even in the midst of very difficult times. I wanted to get one more thing in here, one of his lines about rejoicing. He says that there are some preaching Christ with less than pure motives, but what matters is that Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Now that that's just profound, because I've listened to preachers pick at each other, and I've seen little wars going on between denominations and different people. And the fact is, there are some preachers that are just not my cup of tea. There's a big-name preacher right here in the city I live in, and I'm not so much in line with them on most things. But when someone brings it up and they're critical, I say, you know what? I rejoice that the gospel's being preached, even if he's making a fortune. And someone may walk into that church and hear a message in that church and find Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and in that, I can rejoice. Yeah, we go through that in campus ministry. We used to have these guys come out with sandwich boards and paintings of the lake of fire, and they're yelling and screaming, whoremongers, perverts, and all they're talking about is how hot it is in hell. And those of us that are out on the campus every day trying to build relationships would feel these guys are setting our cause back about 20 years. However, as you said, there are people that will listen to these guys, and they'll get saved. God can use them. God can use anybody. That's a thing to rejoice in. Every once in a while, the name Billy Graham comes up. Now, we've talked about him. Uh, to me, he's another hero. Billy was... He gave a clean, a, balanced message. Yeah. His message was, you can receive Christ as your Savior. He might use a different text every time he preached, but the message was always the same, and the punchline was the same. And he gave the altar call, and George Beverly Shea would sing, Just As I Am, without one Yeah, and he didn't tell you you were going to get rich if you accepted Christ. Now, here's another line that I've heard people use, and they just kind of drop it at the end of the sentence. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Yeah, yeah. What was that attitude? Check this out. This, This is hard stuff, deep stuff, profound stuff. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. I need to read that every week at least. Have this attitude, which was in Christ Jesus. Now, now get, here's the progression or degression, if you will. He was God. It's very clear. He existed in the form of God, but he didn't consider that something to hang on to, and he emptied himself of his godness and became a man. And it, now I'm going to add some things here. He didn't just become a man. He was born in a manger. We have the Christmas story. You know, they say that the most helpless being on the planet is a newborn baby, human baby. I mean, he really, really lowered himself. He became a man. He was born and then had to grow up under his parents' authority. And then he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And not just death, death on a cross. Crucifixion was designed to cause pain and humiliation. In fact, you probably know this, but we use the word excruciating, and that comes from the word 
crucifix. There was nothing as painful as that. And they had to come up with a word to describe how painful it was. The most painful thing, and then, as you said, the most humiliating, degrading thing, because whenever we see a picture of Jesus, there's a little cloth on him, but people were crucified naked. It was about humiliation as well. Yeah, in between two thieves, by the way. And so it was the most humiliating thing that was deliberate, and he was innocent, and yet falsely accused. We're back to The Passion with Mel Gibson, which I think was one of the best films I've ever seen depicting that story. And he did all of that. Now, we know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. He was resurrected on the third day and ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God. But he went through all of that stuff, humbling himself as far as you could possibly be humbled. And he did that for you and I. He did that to save us because we are a miserable wreck and we are fallen and we're lost. I used to do a lot of street ministry back in the 70s. And I would say, I don't care how far you've fallen, how bad your life is. I don't care how good you think you are or how high you've risen. You still have fallen short of the glory of God and you need a savior. Jesus did that. He humbled himself so that we could spend eternity with him and back going full circle so that I also will be reunited with those who have gone on before me. There are people that I love dearly, and they've already graduated. We say things like that, but I believe that it, you know what? This world is nothing compared to what heaven must be. And 70 years, 80 years, maybe you get 100 years and get to go on TV. That's nothing compared to eternity. And Jesus secured that for us. He bought that for us. He paved the way and opened the door for us. All of that by humbling himself. And so that's the third ingredient here that I wanted to mention. How do you handle difficult circumstances? Well, you find things to give thanks for. You find things to rejoice in. But then ultimately, we have to humble ourselves. There's no place for arrogance. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Everybody loves amazing grace. We're saved by grace. Guess what? Only the humble receive grace. And that's mentioned by James and Peter, and it's just one of God's principles. And the reason for that is, is the proud person doesn't think they need grace. And so I'm saying, humble yourself. And maybe someone's listening. I I don't assume for one minute that everyone that tunes into your show and, and listens is a committed believer and is following Christ. And so there may be people listening right now, and I'm, I just want to appeal to you, no matter how hard you've had it, or no matter how good you think you are, Humble yourself before God and admit to him that you need his grace. Thank him that he sent his son and rejoice in the fact that this isn't the end. This life is not the only existence. It doesn't end here. Death is not the end. Do those things. And I promise you, if you will do it honestly with a sincere heart before God, it will change your life. And if you've never prayed a prayer and asked God, to take control of your life. I encourage you to do it tonight. I feel the spirit of Billy Graham is in the house. You know what? No matter what you've done, God can forgive you. Jesus will forgive you. He died for you. And surrender your life to him. I'm not promising you everything will be a bed of roses. You might wind up in a prison for preaching the gospel, but you know what? You can rejoice and be grateful and thank God for giving you spiritual life. So I, you know, I don't know. I just kind of waxed 
evangelical. It's here. okay. Well, well thank you, my dear friend. Always very profound. And it's an honor to call you a friend. And we will be praying for your friend, Penny. We will remember her. Thank you so much. Keep us posted. All right. This is Bob Siegel. We'll see you next time. The Bob Siegel Show podcast is a production of Bob Siegel and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com slash bob.